Hi, and welcome to the debut of the Pro Football Network betting podcast. I'm your host, David Behrman, Chief Content Officer of Pro Football Network, joined by Brian Blewis, formerly of Caesar Sportsbook, now the official betting director of Pro Football Network, and the one and only Trey Wingo, formerly of many places, most notably ESPN Sports Center and NFL Live and NFL Draft Coverage. Worked with Trey for many, many years at ESPN and happy to be working with again at Pro Football Network. Um, hi, guys. Welcome to the show. It's good to see both of you. Uh, and by the way, this is audio only, so we're doing this in our bathing suits, just so people are wondering. <laughs> There's a visual for you, but uh, that is Trey. <laughs> promise you that we will do video later in the year, but we're starting off on audio. So welcome, Brian, to your first Pro Football Network podcast. Yeah, happy to be here. We're just uh, two weeks away from uh, the NFL season finally getting underway. Um no more talking about meaningless football games. It's time to actually start making predictions and talking about our uh, favorite futures bets for the season. So real quick, before we get into the futures, which is really why everybody's tuning in to hear our futures, I always call this futures week. All the games are done. You know what the injuries are. You know what your team is. Cut down day is today and tomorrow. 53-man rosters will be locked. So we know what we know, and we'll go ahead and, and, and then make those futures because nobody has any games to bet this week, so they'll bet futures. <laughs> Before we get into that, just a little bit about the PFN betting podcast. We're going to join you every Monday and Thursday. It'll be Brian and myself talking about the Monday night football game and on Thursday, the Thursday night football game. Those will be short and sweet. Brian and I are going to go in 10, 15 minutes, discuss that night's action, side, total, player props, etc. And then on Fridays, we'll have a full 45-minute podcast that will break up the entire Sunday schedule. Again, sides, totals, parlays, teasers, player props, you name it. We'll have that whole thing for you on Friday. So on a weekly basis, it'll be Monday, Thursday, and Friday, the Pro Football Network betting podcast. So with that all out of the way, let's just jump into it. The most popular futures out there are always going to be Pick to win the Super Bowl. Back in the day, it would be, hey, here's my $10 donation to our friends in the desert. When you walk through Vegas or you have a buddy going to Vegas, here's 10 bucks, put it on something. But now that sports betting is legal in 30 plus states in the District of Columbia, you can bet it from your own phone. Uh, so here we are. Trey, let's kick off with you because you have an article out there on profootballnetwork.com backslash betting is Trey's playoff bracket. And it's doing well. I just want to say thank you for that because it's doing extremely well. Where Trey breaks down all 14 teams, who's going to be in the playoffs, and then he has the bracket as to who's going to win. Now, this isn't going to blow your mind who he's going to pick, but let Trey break down his Super Bowl playoff bracket, and then Brian and I'll jump in with our favorites. Yeah. um, You know, uh, let's start at the top, right? Um, There's a reason that the Kansas City Chiefs have been to three of the last four Super Bowls and won two of them. And last time I checked, Andy Reid is still alive. Patrick Mahomes is still throwing. Travis Kelsey is still catching. And I eventually believe Chris Jones will sign. Uh, I got some information uh, uh, over the weekend that uh, it's probably headed in that direction sooner rather than later. So uh, as long as those three players are on the field and Andy Reid is coaching, we work our way down from there. Um, you know, the, the Mahomes thing is just, as, as you know, David, and you and I back in our days at ESPN have had battles about whether or not a quarterback a wins and losses are a quarterback stat. I firmly believe they're not. But Patrick Mahomes, as the quarterback of the Chiefs, has a winning percentage of 58%. He's 14 and 10 when his team trails in any game by at least 10 points. The second highest winning percentage in NFL history in that situation is 37%. So 
this guy is just the outlier of all outliers when it comes to doing what is necessary to give his team a chance to win games. In two, the both Super Bowls that they won, they were down by 10 points in each one of them in the second half and came back and won. Uh, in two AFC championship games, they were down by 10 points, came back and won. Um, you know, this they were down 24 to nothing to the to the Houston Texans in a divisional game and ended up winning by 30, 25 points, 55 to 31, I think it was. Just freaking ridiculous. So I always start there. Uh, and I do believe that the Chiefs understand what's in front of them. We had the longest stretch now in Super Bowl history without a team repeating as champions. And I think that's the motivation for Kansas City this year. You know, uh, last year it was sort of to justify that they could get along without Tyreek Hill. And then they went in, led the league, and I mean, Patrick Holmes led the league in touchdown passes, passing yards, and set the single season record for most combined yards in NFL history. They need a carrot every year. And I think the carrot for them this year is let's be the, the next great team. Because if they do that, they're the first team since the Patriots to repeat as Super Bowl champs, 38 and 39, and they will have won three Super Bowls in five years, five years. Uh, and that's that's in rarefied, that's rarefied air. So um, I believe that they will be there representing the AFC. And I think San Francisco, which is the complete opposite of, of the Kansas City Chiefs and how they've constructed their team, uh, they will win. Uh, they will win the NFC despite really not having a quarterback. And I, I know Brock Purdy is great, and it was a great seven-game stretch. If the Niners are going to get to the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy will be an ancillary package. Uh, it will be that amazing offensive line, that depth at wide receiver, uh, the running back in Christian McCaffrey, the tight end that can block as well as he can catch in George Kittle in a suffocating defense. Uh, you know, much like Chris Jones's deal, I think Bosa's deal will eventually get done. So I think those two teams I have in Super Bowl 58. And, and Trey, that's the great thing about the NFL is that you can build teams multiple different ways. Obviously, the New England Correct. Patriots won all these years with Tom Brady. But at the same time, you can see the Ravens win with a Trent Dilfer or a Joe Flacco with just great defense. And you've seen the Niners yeah. win with not necessarily the greatest quarterbacks. So, uh, or at least go to the Super Bowl without the greatest quarterbacks. I'll uh, bring Brian in for his Super Bowl pick. I just want to preface it by saying Brian is a diehard Eagles fan. So keep that in mind. Sorry, dude. I apologize. Yeah, we, Sorry, Brian. <laughs> yeah, we won five minutes in the podcast with Trey bringing up that we blew a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl twice, and then he has a 49ers winning the uh, NFC. So we're off to a great start. Um, it's still a little too soon to bring up the Super Bowl loss, but um, I'll power through for the rest of the uh, podcast. <laughs> so who do you like, Brian, now that uh, we, we declared that you're an Eagles fan and that Trey does not like your Eagles? Uh, who do you that, like? That's not true. That, I'm what? not saying I don't – I do not not like the Eagles. I just – look – I'll, I'll stop talking now, but I'm just saying, if you look at the NFC Championship game, it was a blowout. It really wasn't, okay? The Eagles got lucky in the Devontae Smith touch catch that wasn't that allowed the first touchdown to go. Uh, you know, you don't know what happens uh, if they if uh, if jo Josh Johnson doesn't fumble inside the 20-yard line on one of those possessions. In the second half, that led to another touchdown uh, by the Eagles. Uh, they were punting it away, and the Niners committed a, a penalty on the punt that gave the Possession back. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a blowout in the traditional sense, is what. Oh, I'm of saying. course not. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. I I, I digress. No, I mean, um, I think Trey's right in his um, reasoning for not picking Eagles when the NFC this year, making it back to the Super Bowl. I mean, they have a lot stacking against them this year. One last year, they had the easy schedule in the NFL. You look at the quarterbacks they went against, and like that was just like a gift. And that was a reason why this time last year they're a really popular bet to be the number one seed in the NFC. 
I mean, you look at the Super Bowl, they had 22 out of 22 stars in week one starting in the Super Bowl. That's unprecedented. And to also have that kind of injury luck again is extremely unlikely. But you could even argue they almost got better this year. I mean, they lost seven starters, five on defense, two on offense, but they have a lot of they have a young infusion of talent. And Jalen Hurts might even better this year than last year. I mean, if there's any guy to like count on to like put the work ethic in and really make a jump, it's Jalen Hurts. I mean, I've seen a lot of lazy comparisons out there that like everyone thought that Carson Wentz was like the franchise quarterback after they made the Super Bowl had that year. But like the com- the, com- the comparisons between him and Hurts end right there in terms of like their makeup and just like their leadership and everything like that. So Correct. I'm going to be a homer and pick the Eagles win the NFC. And a big reason why, just like how weak the conference is. Like I'm not totally sold on Brock Purdy having the same magic did a year ago. And for the Dallas Cowboys, they need to win a division round game this century for me to pick them to make it to the Super Bowl. So and for the yeah. AFC, I'm just not picking the Chiefs because we haven't seen a repeat winner since the Patriots 2004. And it's really hard, especially in that conference. So I'm going to be a little bit of a homer here and pick the Eagles, but I'm not going to bet them to win the Super Bowl because there's no value there. <laughs> uh, we, we were 10 minutes in before we got our Eagles guy to bash the Cowboys. He snuck that one in there nicely. Well, nicely. well by, by the way, he, he makes some really good points. Like, for example, uh, w- one of the reasons that, that in the platform, I don't have the Eagles to win the NFC East because nobody repeats in the NFC yep. East. It's been 18 seasons since the team has repeated in the NFC East. And that team, ironically or coincidentally, was the Philadelphia Eagles, who did it four years in a row from 2000 to 2003. Um, but it has been historically up and down division. Uh, and I think Dallas is going to be – Dallas can only go one of two ways, in my opinion. They're either going to be great or they're going to implode. There is no middle ground with this team. There nope. is no middle ground with this team. And uh, they're either going to be a dominant force or they're going to fall apart at the seams. And you know the Dak Prescott contract then becomes very interesting, which is really intriguing when you consider the trade they just made for Trey Lance. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're not picking the Eagles in the NFC, Trey's argument right there is that they, it's good. odds are stacked against them in a division because we haven't seen that in like close to 20 years. And all the recent teams represent the NFC in the Super Bowl have had some sort of home field advantage in the playoffs. And if they're a wild card yeah. team, to win all those games on the road to get to the Super Bowl would be very challenging. Yeah. And guys, it's August. And if you go back and, and look at the tape every single August, most of us making predictions or bets are likely going to take the teams that have been there before. And if you were to say, David, pick one Super Bowl matchup and bet on it, I, I would bet on the repeat. I would bet on Kansas City yeah. and Philadelphia to have a rematch in the Super Bowl, which I believe we haven't seen since the Bills and Cowboys did it a couple of decades ago. That being said, Correct. there are other teams there that we'll get into with win totals and, and, and other things. I firmly believe that Kansas City and, and Philadelphia are the two best teams in football. They represented last year, which is rare that you have the two best teams in the Super Bowl. That and I think correct. both have gotten better. Brian made some valid points about the Eagles, and um, there's not much value in taking the Chiefs to repeat for multiple reasons. Brian mentioned it, and Trey mentioned it. We haven't had a repeat winner in about a decade and a half or two decades uh, since the Patriots did it. Um, and the AFC's loaded, quite frankly. Like, I-, I could easily see the Eagles coming out of, of of the NFC again. They're the best team in the conference. You won't have the schedule luck. You won't have the injury luck they had last year. But at the end of the day, the NFC's that weak um, that I'm not a believer in the Niners. I'm just not. They, 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 even though they have made it as far as they have, I'm not a big Shanahan fan. I'm in the minority there. Um, yeah, that, I'm, not- I'm, fa- I'm fascinated by that, David. Like, why are you not, like – 
I mean, they made it to the the NFC Championship game with a with a Mr. Irrelevant pick rookie quarterback. They made I it to multiple. I didn't say he was a bad coach. No, no, no. You, but you said you're not a fan, so I'm curious about this because you said the, you know he's made it he's made it to multiple NFC Championship games in a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, and the G in Jimmy G stands for generic. Okay, <laughs> there's not a more generic quarterback, and not by looks, but by his his play. Like he's he's the definition of average. If you look at everything that Jimmy G does in terms of the NFL, and yet Kyle Shanahan teams have routinely put themselves in positions to either get there or win it all. And I didn't say Kyle Shanahan couldn't take his team to the NFC Championship game or Super Bowl. He by all means can. He did it with, yeah. with the Falcons. He's done it with San Francisco. He has put his teams in position, but the next big game that he wins will be his first. So show me is what I mean, because he's not a guy who has sealed the deal. Now, if you're telling me the Niners are back in the title game again, Sure. Yeah. I'm just not picking them to win the Super Bowl. Right. Okay. But here's the only thing I have problem with that. Like, is winning the NFC Championship game not a big game? Yeah. Hell yeah. It's a it's big a, game. So he has a won game. a big game. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, to, to, to me, I, I understand they haven't gotten over the edge. That I understand. But I think he's routinely won big games to get them in the position to have yeah. that. So, I, I just have a different definition of what a big game is. So, for me, with the Niners, what I'm most concerned about is two things. One, can Brock Purdy really repeat that magic from last year? I mean, it was, it was a that's, small That's why they're side. paying Sam Darnold what they're paying him, okay? That's true. And I've always kind of been a Sam Darnold believer, but yeah. not enough that, like, if Purdy gets hurt, that he could bring them to the NFC Championship again. And also, I mean, they might have the best roster in the NFL taken out of quarterback, but all those guys are really injury-prone. I mean, they count on McCaffrey, Debo, and Kittle all stay healthy for the entire season again as a tall order. Granted, you could say for any team in the NFL, like, well, if they stay healthy, like, that's the biggest factor for them. But, like, for the 49ers especially, I mean, we've seen Kyle Shanahan years where they're either, like, one of the best teams in football or they're, like, towards the bottom. And it's always because of injuries. And, like, that could easily come into play this year after they really managed to avoid it besides a quarterback last year. And well, don't get me wrong. Thing- I, I would probably take the over in the win total. I would take them to win the division. I would take them to go far in the playoffs. They may even earn the bye. But I'm just not there with taking them to win the Super Bowl. I'm just not. They might. Well, I, I, they I agree them. because Patrick Mahomes exists. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, before we move on to other futures, do you guys have a longer shot? And we sat here and we broke down Kansas City, Philadelphia, and San Francisco, which you don't need to listen to this podcast to pick those teams to win the Super Bowl. Do either one of you have a long shot that you're eyeing that you can say, you know, you know Pat Mahomes maybe off year, maybe injured, maybe somebody else steps up, maybe it's who? Well... I mean, for me, I, I can't go anybody in the NFC. I just, I, I can't, right? Because to, to Brian's point, I don't know if I've ever seen a greater disparity in terms of top-tier quarterback play in the two conferences now. Like, you could argue that nine of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL are in the AFC. And you could probably go 11 of the top 13 or 14. Um, so after Jalen Hurts, who is it in the NFC? Is it Dak? Is it Kirk? I mean, it's it's it. The disparity is real. So for me, if I'm if I'm looking for a team that is going to upset the apple cart of the Chiefs, and by the way, just for historical perspectives, uh, the Chiefs have hosted five straight AFC Championship games. No team in NFL history has hosted, ever hosted three in a row before. They've hosted five in a row, um, and for the, the the Mahomes impact there. Prior to Mahomes being there, the Chiefs have never hosted an AFC Championship game. Ever since he started at quarterback, they've only hosted conference championship games. Crazy. So that's that that's sort of the scenario we're working with. So let's assume that has to end at some point. Let's say it's this year. 
right? A lot of people would say, well, I'm going to take Burrow and the Bengals, or I'm going to take uh, Tua uh, and, and the Dolphins, or maybe I'll take a flyer on Aaron and the Jets. And I'm not sure that's much of a flyer. Like I don't, I don't in the, in the column, I'm not a huge fan of the Jets making the postseason. There's, there's too much, there's, it's too lovey-dovey right now, right? It's too, like HBO Hard Knocks might've been called Aaron Rodgers and others perform special things. Right. It's so clear. It's just about Aaron Rodgers. And I think there's going to be some bumps in the road for that team. But if I'm taking a flyer, I would look at I would look at them. I mean, like, I don't think it's going to happen. I think I think that there's going to be a lot more things go wrong for the Jets than right for the Jets this year. But if I had to say, let's put a long shot on it, that might be one of the, the teams I would look at. Brian, what do you got? Yeah, this is a good segue from a discussion about the 49ers and the NFC West. I mean, if I'm looking at a potential sleeper in the NFC, I'm looking right at the Seattle Seahawks at like plus 3,000, plus 3,500 when the Super That's a great one. That's a great yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, they came out of nowhere last year. I mean, nobody this time last year has talked about them as being a playoff team because they're such a big unknown with Geno Smith. But he really proved to be the guy last year in Seattle. He got rewarded that contract extension. And with the fifth overall pick, there was speculation. Would they take a quarterback? Granted, none fell to them, but they didn't take a single quarterback in the draft this year. And so G- they really committed Geno's being their guy, unless you really think that they're grooming Drew Locke to be an heir apparent one day, which obviously is entirely unrealistic. Well, right. But but just so people know the backstory behind that, they've been high on Drew Locke since 2019. Okay? Oh, yeah. It's the Seattle organization. The re- in one of the weirdest things that nobody ever really talked about. Remember when Russell Wilson had that bizarre, I want a new contract by April 15th or whatever in 2019? Yep. That happened because he knew that the, the John Schneider, the coaching staff, and the scouting people loved Drew Locke. They were in love with Drew Locke, and, and they were going to take him in the 2019 draft, and Russell sort of forced their hand uh, to get the contract extension. And there's a reason, to your point, in the trade for Russell Wilson, they wanted Drew Locke. Yep. They were not expecting Geno Smith to do what Geno Smith did. They wanted Drew Locke to win that job last year. So as, as weird as that sounds, they're still in love with Drew Locke. They may be the only team, but they're still in love with Drew Locke. Oh, yeah, I totally believe that. And so much of this, the quarterback success in the NFL was luck driven. I mean, last offseason, the Eagles were trying to trade for Russell Wilson, and he might have been their quarterback if he would have waived his no trade clause to go to Philadelphia. He was their white whale in that, 2020, in that yeah. 2012 draft when uh, Seattle traded up in front of them and they drafted him, and the rest is history. And they have Nick Foles, who wins them the Super Bowl. But big reason why I like Seattle is I think that Geno's success in last year is real. I mean, look at the numbers. When you look at a stat called, uh, EPA plus completion above expectation. He ranked seventh in the NFL last year. And this year, he could be even better with Jackson Smith and the Jigba added to the mix. I mean, you look at that wide receiver trio, that might be the best NFL this year. I mean, these Ohio State wide receivers yeah. are for real, and they contribute right away. So well, Brian you're right about Seattle that. is his long shot at 30-1. to 1. And in the column, I did take the Miami Dolphins at 25-1. to 1. But you don't need to be on this podcast to hear me wax poetic justice about Miami Dolphins. I've also been around long enough to know that the Miami Dolphins don't win Super Bowls in my lifetime. So we can get into why they could be a 25 to one. I got them at 40 to one earlier in the year. Obviously, if Tua stays healthy, they get all the weapons, Waddle, Hill. They have Vic Fangio coming in on defense. It's going to be solid. Uh, but you don't want to hear me talk not about enough, the Not enough people are talking about that, by the way. We all talk about the other stuff. The Vic Fangio thing is real. Okay, That's yes. a real thing that's oh, going to help Miami. You look at Miami splits defensively last year. They were... They were really good at home and below average on the road. Vic Fangio is going to fix that pretty quickly. 
And the one thing that Adam Beasley, who is our Dolphins beat writer, and you can find all of his stuff at uh, profootballnetwork.com backslash hyphen Miami Dolphins. He was talking about how the defense has been stellar throughout camp, uh, outshining the offense that we know has weapons everywhere. And really, the Dolphins are going to have an improved defense with Fangio, and, and the offense is going to come down to keeping Tua healthy. Uh, so we know what the stakes are there. We've talked about it, but there's no reason to believe that that team couldn't compete in the AFC as stacked as they are with talent. The other team I wanted to throw out there before we move on to win totals, you know, it's quiet. They're kind of just flying under the radar because of how stacked the AFC is. But Lamar Jackson's back this year. You mm-hmm. have an MVP back. You have some healthy running yeah. backs back. You have a Super Bowl winning coach in John Harbaugh. The Ravens don't go away. And even last year without Lamar Jackson, they were a fringe playoff team at 20 to one. Should things break their way, I feel like they can win that division with everyone betting on, you know, Cincinnati and even Cleveland. Uh, Pittsburgh's not going anywhere either, but I do think Baltimore will be travel tested with their schedule and their division that there's a team that I would not ignore come playoff time. Speaking of AFC, well, North, that's also, a, no, sorry, Trey, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, uh, talk about a team that's been ravaged by injuries the last couple of years, too. Like, the, eventually, you hope that's not going to happen to them as well. The only, my only concern for the Ravens, and all that's true, they're going to ask Lamar to do very different things than they've asked him to do before. And we'll, we'll have to see how that works out. Yeah, and to speak in the AFC North, my sleeper Super Bowl pick for the AFC, if I would make a long shot bet, would be on another team, not be the Cleveland Browns. I mean, the yeah. elephant in the room is obviously Deshaun Watson, like with his suspension last year and all those suits against him. But if you look at this team on paper, take out Deshaun aside, this honestly might be the most loaded team in the AFC. I mean, they're stacked yeah. on both sides of the ball. And we're talking about Vic Fangio for the Dolphins. How about Jim Schwartz addition to Cleveland Browns, a defensive coordinator? Yeah. I mean, has there been a better pairing of a defensive star and coordinator than Miles Garrett and Jim Schwartz? Well, well, hopefully, I, I would argue Bill Belichick and Lawrence Taylor. That's good, true. So. I mean, I, meant, yeah, I, I, I would throw that. I, I would throw that one out there. But uh, look, I, I would say Cleveland is great, and and the for all the uh, for all the the bad publicity that the signing of Deshaun Watson brought, and rightfully sure. so. And however you want to feel about that, you are inclined to feel about that. I make no judgments on you if if whatever. But this is the year we'll find out if that move was justified from a football perspective because he is out of excuses, okay? I don't want to hear about the rust anymore. I don't want to hear about uh, distractions because you put those on yourselves by your issues and you've got to find a way to work through them. They they are loaded, but they need Deshaun Watson to be 2019-2020 Deshaun Watson, not what we saw last year, which was a shell of his former self. It, It wasn't even close. If Deshaun Watson can get back, to being 2019, 2020 Deshaun Watson simply on the field at quarterback play, the Cleveland Browns are going to be problems for people. Absolutely. And David, look at those odds. They're plus 3,000 right now. If Watson was just competent last year, like he was awful. Yeah. Like he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year when he Correct. played. If he was just average, what do you think those odds would be? Oh, for sure. And if he's the Deshaun Watson of old, it's a whole different ball game. And as we move to win totals, I'll leave you with this last thing. If you look at the betting odds, the teams that are projected to finish dead last in the AFC East and AFC North are the Patriots and Steelers. That's how stacked the AFC is, that your Patriots and Steelers are projected to be the fourth team in the division. And by the way, it's not like those teams are bad. It's just that's no. how stacked well, the AFC is. Yep. There, there are problems in New England. Yes. I mean, there yes. are problems in New England. They are bereft of, of playmakers. Yes. I mean, let's just be um, honest. 
let's uh let's move on to win totals. Everybody loves win totals, and if you're gonna take win totals, it's the next couple of days is when you take them because they come off the board when the season starts. There are a couple of books who will update them over the year. For the most part, the value is now. And if you're someone who wants to spend that money on your over or under and 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 watch it all year long, we're here to help you out with that. I'll go first and then throw yep. it over to. Brian and Trey just I'm only going first because I, I know Brian and I like the same one and I want to throw yep. it out there first before he steals it. I love the New Orleans Saints over nine and a half. And whereas I don't think the New Orleans Saints are the best team in the NFL, and nor do I think they're the best team in the NFC, my top win total pick last year, last August, everyone's like, oh, of course, you know, that the season. No, last August, I said the Philadelphia Eagles will win 10 games. It was nine and a half, believe it or not, because their schedule yep. was so easy. You look yeah. at the New Orleans Saints schedule, it's ridiculous easy. You have your own division, which is arguably the worst division in football. Those are six It's not arguable. Up. It is. It is. Against the <laughs> Falcons, Panthers, and the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, you play the other worst division in football in the AFC South. In the only decent team there is Jacksonville. We have Houston and Tennessee and Indy. Um, and then even the, the, the games that are for where you finished last year are against the Patriots and the Colts. Like, not good teams, and the Rams are the other one. So you look at that New Orleans Saints schedule. And by the way, look at the quarterbacks in that division. The second best one is Baker Mayfield. That's it. Derek Carr is your quarterback of New Orleans Saints. There's nobody of relevance in that division. I believe the Saints win the division at plus money, still about 120, 125. And I believe they win 10, 11, 12 games because the schedule is that easy. Do I think that they are the NFC champion Eagles like last year? No, they're not going to win 14 games and win the NFC. But you're in a bad division. You have the only quarterback in the division, and you have an easy schedule. I think 10, 10 wins is definitely attainable for that team. Brian? Yeah, no, I totally agree with David for all those reasons. Like, I don't see them being a Super Bowl contender. I see them being a really good regular season team because of how easy their schedule is. Derek Carr brings good stability to the quarterback position there. And in the event that he does get hurt, they have a very good backup in Jameis. I mean, we know how volatile he is, but like if you look at the backup quarterbacks in the NFL, he has to be up there as one of the ones you have the most confidence in, in the event that their starter gets hurt. And last year, too, there's some regression there they're coming their way defensively. I think they had just 14 takeaways. You look at the quarterbacks that are playing this year, that number is going to go way up. Um, what's the win total for the Minnesota Vikings? Eight and a half. I'm not sure that I, 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 I might take the under there. Um, this is a team that won 11 one-score games. 11 one-score games last Crazy. year. When they won 13, including the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL against the, uh, against the Indianapolis Colts in December. Those things are not repeatable unless you have a Patrick Mahomes, a Joe Burrow, or historically a Tom Brady, there, Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning playing quarterback. Kirk Cousins is not that guy. He is just... Not that guy. He's good, but he's not that guy. So I think that the Vikings win total to me is a really interesting one because the division, I think, is going to be much more competitive than people think. Uh, I think the Packers are going to surprise some people. I, I think the Minnesota Vikings are in for a, a rough season. So, Trey, you've gone out and, and written it before in columns about uh, the, the turnover year over year in terms of playoff teams. And you're projecting yeah. that Minnesota would be one of those teams that made it last year that would fall out this year. I would think that would be very comfortable. I, I would feel comfortable making that bet. Absolutely. Okay. Me too. And, and Brian, you know, you you had the Saints as well as me. Is there another one you like uh, win total wise? Yeah, I'm going to surprise people here at this under. How about the Bengals under 11 and a half wins? I mean, we're talking about how strong the ASC North is. Like 
You have the Browns to be a playoff team. The Ravens are David's Super Bowl sleeper bet. And the Steelers are probably the best team to projected to finish last place in the NFL. I mean, those are six really difficult games right there. And Joe Burrow's calf injury, granted, he's not supposed to miss any games, but you're lying if you're not concerned that there's a chance of reactivation at some point this season. I mean, I'm not picking them not to make the playoffs, but at least 12 wins seems like a really big ask for them this season. And another under I like that I placed, I don't like to overreact to preseason games, but I'm guilty of this one here. Panthers under seven and a half wins. Jason Katz, our betting and fantasy analyst here at our Pro Football Network, gave out this one as win totals article and our win totals column. And I totally agree with them here. I mean, if you watch the Panthers in the preseason, their offense looks so overwhelmed. I mean, we've seen before rookie quarterbacks have a lot, a lot of success, but not as much recently from the high draft picks. And Bryce Young behind this offensive line. I don't really love the skill position players around him. I mean, counting on Adam Thielen at this point of his career to be a number one target isn't the most ideal situation for a rookie. And at seven and a half, I'll let them go under that for sure, despite them being an NFC South and playing against AFC South this year. All right, real quickly, because now we got to wrap this up. What's the win total for Buffalo? Uh, Buffalo is, I believe, 10 and a half. I'll pull it up. I have it in front of me. 10 and a half. Buffalo Bills are officially 10 and a half, but heavily juiced towards the over. Uh, I might take the under there. Um, it's a such Tough a division. division. We talked about it. Um, something's not right in Buffalo. I don't know what it is. Can't put my finger on it. Something is not right. Um, and you know, for all the talent that they put together and this this new run of the greatest Buffalo Bills stretch since the '90s when they went to four straight Super Bowls, the, for all their success, they have one AFC Championship game appearance to show for it, and everything around them just got significantly tougher their division, the AFC. And I, you just wonder if, if it's, they had their shot and now it's going to be significantly harder for them. So I, I, I might take the under with Buffalo. Which is not a bad play considering how hard that division is. And I was asked the other day about the AFC East and did a spot on, on Vsin And I said the same thing as you Trey. There's just something missing there. That's a team that has overwhelming talent and they should be further than they have been. Um, I mean, they got blown out at home by the Bengals last year. So um, that's one thing to think about when you're we're looking at the, the Bills. Um, as we move on to MVP, I'll give one more out. Um, these are not the, the Los Angeles Rams Super Bowl champs from two years ago, uh, but they're also better than a six-win team. The Rams won the Super Bowl two years ago, ravished by injuries last year, up and down the, up and down the field. They still won five games. I believe that they're somewhere in between those two. I don't see them winning the division or the Super Bowl, but I don't see them as a six-win team either. Just too much talent. Uh, you got Stafford. You got Cup. You, even Cam Akers is not a horrible running back. They have a defense with a couple of, you know, Aaron Donald, and, and they're just too talented to not win seven games. Again, we're only asking them the over-under is six and a half. Yeah. We're asking a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago who pretty much has the same players, but they were injured last year, to go well, seven and Jalen Ramsey's gone. They, Ramsey they've had they've also injured. Yeah, yeah, but they should be at least seven and ten. Like they can. Yeah, win no, seven I agree with games. that. I agree. With so, that. Um, moving on to MVP. Once again, you're listening to the Pro Football Network Betting Podcast. This is our debut episode. Uh, joined with Brian Lewis, the director of betting for PFN, as well as uh, Trey Wingo. I'd have a title for Trey, mm-hmm. but it would be underwhelming considering who Trey is and what he has done <laughs> in the NFL mm-hmm. business. So we'll just call him the Trey Wingo. 
Um, <laughs> win totals. What are you, uh, we just did that MVP picks. Um, Trey, you go first. Where are you going for your MVP pick, which is arguably the most popular bet on future on the board is the MVP race. Uh, well, obviously, and if you look at the column, I pick Mahomes because there's he's the best player. He's the best player in football on the most important position in football. So that I, it will always start there for me. And I know there's no value in it, but if you're asking me to pick who I think the MVP is, I want to be right. You know, and so it starts there and uh, it, it, it starts there as long as he's breathing, you know, as long as he's as long as 15 is lining up. I saw somebody predict that the Chiefs would go 10 and seven and that the Steelers would go like 12 and five. And I'm like, in what world does a Kenny Pickett led team have more wins than a Patrick Mahomes led team? Like that there just are a lot that of doesn't who, it doesn't exist. Drink a lot okay? It doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> But though, that's yeah. a fascinating so, I mean, about like, the MVP I'm race. I'm sorry, there's no value year. there, but that's, yeah. No. Hey, I mean, there are years where it's Mahomes yeah. and it's Favre and it's Rodgers and it's Manning. Yep. But then there are years yeah. where it's Lamar Jackson. So, like, that's what's fascinating yeah. about the MVP race. Uh, Brian, where are you going with well, this? Well, it, it, but basically, it's a, well, wait, real quick, it's basically a quarterback award, right? But let's just understand. Yes. The, oh, the yeah. MVP is no longer the MVP. It's who's the best quarterback with the best stats on the best team. And whether you believe that or like that is irrelevant because it is. Now, if you want to take a flyer, take someone like Justin Jefferson as the MVP. Because I think he said, like, he his touchdown total last year was low. I don't think statistically that can happen again. And I think Justin Jefferson is set up for all kinds of success, even though I think the Vikings will struggle because I think they're going to have to score a lot of points uh, I in every game they play. Justin Jefferson, to me, would be a really good flyer as MVP. I'm convinced without any doubt whatsoever that it's a QB award. If Derrick Henry and Cooper Cup could not win the award in the years that they dominated the NFL, then no one's going to win the award. I have a buddy who sends me every year when Derrick Henry goes for 200 yards and three touchdowns against the Houston Texans. Oh, I have this Derrick Henry ticket to win MVP. It's 50 to one. I'm going to, I'm like, you, you just rip it up. Well, what if he runs for 2000 yeah. yards? Well, he did. Well, what if he runs for 18 touchdowns? Yeah. He did. Like he did. It's a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, totally. What do you got, Brian? Yeah, so I'm, obviously it's a quarterback award, and I'm looking at the quarterbacks. Who can I see? I mean, Trey hit him the head. It's either the quarterback on the best team or the quarterback with the best stats. And there's two quarterbacks I see that have some value that meet that criteria. Number one is Lamar Jackson. If he reaches his passing ceiling that we think we, he can, and his Todd Monken offense with Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews back while maintaining his running ability – he could put up some insane video game numbers. I mean, his odds right now, I believe, are like plus 1,600. That's really good value. We're comparing him to like Justin Herbert, who's like plus 900, and even Jalen Hurts at plus 1,200. And another quarterback who I really like this year, and this is not going to surprise anybody. This is not like, this is not a contrarian pick by any means, but how about Trevor Lawrence? He's at the same odds as well, plus 1,600. He has that path towards being the quarterback on a team with the best regular season record because the Jaguars play in such a bad division. And entering year two under Doug Peterson, now Calvin Ridley in the mix, he has a really good offense around him. And we know how how talented Trevor Lawrence is and how in his breakout season last year, especially in the second half and that playoff game against the Chargers. Those are two MVP bets I've made so far that I really like and think they actually have a realistic shot of winning. And the two that I'll give out, I'll give out one of the more obvious ones, and and then I'll give a long shot. Uh, you know, I know Trey talked about Patrick Mahomes. As long as as long as Mahomes does what number fifteen does, he he has this, and and it should be his again. 
Uh, but then again, if you look at last year, if, if Jalen Hurts doesn't get hurt with the shoulder, Jalen Hurts wins that MVP award. As somebody who oversaw, he was the favorite so. when he got hurt. He was the right. favorite. He no, was I, the I, favorite when he got right. hurt. Right, but to, to me, once Mahomes went 5,000 passing yards, 41 touchdowns without Tyreek Hill, there's no question who the MVP was. Like, it but like it the Eagles are, been, Eagles are a better team. I, I understand what the line was, but yeah. – there was no way Patrick Mahomes wasn't winning that award, whether Jalen Hurts got hurt or not. Trey is My right point. to the extent for sure. They, the, the gap was starting to narrow as the season was going along because all that chatter about, like, is it Hurts or the team? Look at the numbers Mahomes is putting out without Tyreek Hill. I mean, he was a favorite before he got hurt, but the gap was closing for sure. But if you're talking about value, and Mahomes is obviously the favorite at 6-1, to 7-1, to one, you can get Jalen Hurts, who was not only in the discussion – but a favorite to win the award before he got hurt at 11 to one. I think there's value there. He's the quarterback of a team that's likely going to win the division again and be in contention. And you saw what he did. You saw what he did in the Super Bowl, where he played just as well as Mahomes, except his defense didn't play as well as Kansas City's defense. So I like Jalen Hurts at 1100 just because it gets added value from the fact that you're not taking the favorite. And I'll give you one long shot. When you look at, and I'm not buying, drinking the Kool-Aid, I don't think the Detroit Lions are winning the Super Bowl. Trey talked about how good of a division that is, that it'll be better in people's spec. But people are talking about the Detroit Lions. Should, now I'm not buying the Lions, but should the Lions live up to what people have thought they can do with that offense? And people love Dan Campbell. And they think that the Lions, who are the division favorites to come out, of the NFC North, which is just weird that I'm saying that mm-hmm. if they have the year that they're capable of having with that offense, and let's say they win the division and maybe even get a top two seed, maybe Jared Goff throws up, he threw up MVP numbers last year. He wasn't the MVP, but he threw up video game numbers last year, where if the lions aren't a nine win team, maybe they're a 13 win team again, not saying they are, but when you're doing betting long shots, you're taking a lottery ticket here, 40 to one, on the quarterback of one of the more explosive offenses in football, should they surprise? Well, it's not even a surprise anymore. Should they do what people are expecting them to do and win that division and win 13 games? If Jared Goff throws for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, 40 to one is not a bad price. You know what I'm saying, Trey? Each <laughs> could be. I'm exactly. just saying I like it. Exactly. We had to get that in there. So yeah. um, that wraps up the MVP discussion. We have a couple of minutes left, so let's go to the Offensive Player of the Year, and we'll finish with some bold predictions. Unlike the MVP race, which we have declared the race for the best quarterback on the best team, Offensive Player of the Year goes differently. Justin Jefferson has won it. Cooper Cup has won it. Where are you going for your Offensive Player of the Year award? Brian, you go first. Yeah, well, I'm looking at the odds. Jamar Chase is currently the favorite, which is a bit surprising to me because – Unlike Justin Jefferson, for example, he has a really good wide receiver, too, to compete for with targets. So, like, for him to really win that award, T. Higgins had to miss some time for Chase to put up historical numbers. And if I'm looking at who are the best offensive players in the NFL, the skill positions, Christian McCaffrey is right in the mix with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. And now he's a full season in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And if he can stay healthy with the and get the volume that he was starting to get towards the end of the season last year, I really like him to win the award of those top favorites. Yeah, go go look at the production of McCaffrey in his uh, in his time in San Francisco last year, and compare it to what the, the Niners' offense was before he got there. I think that's oh, a yeah. great one. Um, and again, for the same reason I talked about, you know, the Flyer Justin Jefferson. To me, I mean, they're going to be they're going to have to put up points in every game they play. 
and there's there's no more clear number one anywhere uh, in terms of wide receivers to me than than Justin Jefferson uh, in Minnesota to to your point. But I would also then think you have to look at Tyreek Hill. But all of this is on to it. Like all of this is on to it. Not for his performance, but if he can stay on the field. If if Tua can play 17 games, look. I mean, look at look at Tyreek's number when you know when he missed all those games last year. Uh, and if, if two is on the field, Tyreek is going to put up historic numbers this year. And I'm with Tyreek. That was my pick in the column, and that'll be my pick on the show. Um, obviously, you all know I'm a big Dolphins fan. Watch all the games. The Dolphins offense is legit. If two is healthy, Trey just hit it. Tyreek Hill put up stupid numbers last year, and 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 uh, Tua missed three and a half games. That's all he looks at. And I talked to Adam Beasley, our Dolphins beat writer, and and he's like, he goes to practices. And two, it, it's hike one, two, look for look for help. And yeah. yes, Jalen Wild is going to get 80 to 90 catches, and those running backs will get catches, and other people will do it. But Tyreek Hill put up ridiculous numbers last year with not even two of playing the whole season. We talk about 2,000 yards, and that's been talked about at nauseum for the last couple of months, whether it's Jefferson or whether it's Hill. I believe either one of them can do it. And if either one of them do do it, they win the Offensive Player of the Year, the difference being you can get Tyreek Hill at 20 to 1. You're not getting Justin Jefferson at 20 to 1. So, oh, yeah. Um, I, I'm there with Trey. If two is healthy, not only are the Dolphins a contender, but if you want to make a safer bet than the Dolphins winning the Super Bowl, um, then Tyreek Hill winning Offensive Player of the Year at 20 to 1 with 2,000 yards receiving is, is one of the ways to go. So, Trey and I are aligned here. The last thing I want to do before we wrap up the first Pro Football Network betting podcast of all time, we're still, there's only, you can only, have one first. So here's the first and we'll go over the schedule again shortly. Uh, bold predictions. So uh, Mr. Wingo, I'll let you go first. If you have anything that you haven't given out that you think would be something to look at for this season, um, a bet to take a long shot or just something that you think will happen. Well, two, two things, right? First of all, let's in terms of team wins. I am curious about Atlanta. We've talked about how bad the division is. Um, Arthur Smith was a really creative offensive guy in Tennessee before he got the job. And he's done, I think, a remarkable job of putting things around Desmond Ritter. Like, whatever Desmond Ritter is going to be, we'll find out this year. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Cordero Patterson, Bijan Robinson. There are a lot of weapons at Desmond Ritter's disposal. And I think that that Arthur Smith will find ways to that, that will have Desmond Ritter surprising some people. Uh, and potentially finding their way uh, into maybe a wild card spot in a very weak division that we talked about. The other one that is very interesting to me is that something has happened over the last two seasons that hasn't happened in 50 years in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys led the league in takeaways in back-to-back years. That hasn't happened in 50 years. I would absolutely take any bet that says the Cowboys will not lead the league in takeaways again this year. Much in the same way, I love the idea of no no chance in hell Minnesota wins 11 one-score games again this year. The, the odds of the Dallas Cowboys defense leading the leading in takeaways for a third straight season is almost impossible. I don't know what kind of action you can get on that, but if you can, jump on that. That's a great point, Trey. And um, let me ask you about the Falcons real quick. For them to be a playoff team and be a contender in the uh, NFC South, how good does Desmond Ritter have to be? I mean, from my perspective, he really just needs to be a game manager and protect the football and help the offense move down the field because this is one of the best rushing offenses in the league last year, and now yep. they have B. John Robinson in the mix. 
So like, yeah, how he, he doesn't have be? he doesn't have to be great. He can be Jimmy no. G generic. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he can be or good. You know, he doesn't he's not going to have to wow you. He's just not going to have to F you. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. From my perspective, I see him kind of being like a not as good version of Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. Yeah. And that got that got the tennis that with Derrick Henry and that the way they ran that offense, that got them to an AFC championship game where they twice, by the way, yeah. had a 10-point lead on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And then Patrick said, hold my beer. <laughs> as always. Brian, what do you got for your bold predictions? Yeah, going back to Offensive Player of the Year, I'm looking at two former Ohio State wide receivers as really good long shot bets. And Garrett Wilson at 30 to 1 and Chris Olave at 55 to 1. I mean, if you look at these two, how good they are, how talented they are as rookies, we've seen recently these wide receivers have these big jumps in year two. Jalen Waddle last year, Devontae Smith last year, and Amara St. Brown last year. And these two wide receivers basically have no competition for target share in their teams, and they have much bigger upgrades at quarterback. I mean, if you guys watched that Jets-Giants preseason game this week, Aaron Rodgers was looking for Garrett Wilson, and it really looks similar to the Rodgers-Devontae Adams in Green Bay. And then we get for Chris Olave, he really flew on the radar last year as a rookie because, like, the Saints weren't getting that much attention. They're a really boring team. But everything you heard out training camp, he has such good chemistry with Derek Carr, and this guy's a limit for this kid. I mean, if you look at his odds right now, he has longer odds than DeAndre Hopkins to win Offensive Player of the Year. And Hopkins is getting older. He's in a run first offense in Tennessee in his first year there, Ryan Tannehill. So, like, for me, betting futures, I fall into the trap too much of betting these long shots because I'm going to wait four months. Mm-hmm. I want a lot of upside. And those two guys give me a lot of upside. And this has a lot of correlation with Trey's pick with the Falcons. But how about B. John Robinson lead the NFL in rushing at 12-1? to 1? I mean, mm-hmm. right now... I don't know if we're getting too cute in the fantasy community or just the NFL community in general that Arthur Smith isn't going to get him the ball because he drafted Kyle Pitts in the top 10, drafted Jake Lund- Drake London in the top 10, and neither of them were really that involved in the offense. But this is Bijan Robinson we're talking about here. And we've seen these rookie running backs picked in the top 10 have amazing rookie seasons. And he's joining a rushing offense that was fourth in EPA per play rushing the ball last year. And that was with the backfield featuring Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. Yeah. This offense might be the most run run friendly scheme in the NFL, and the sky's the limit for Bijan. And more importantly, it's Arthur Smith. Like he yeah, runs too. the ball. We've seen it in Tennessee, and seen it in Atlanta. He runs the ball, so I like that. Um, staying on the NFC South conversation, since we spent just as much time talking about the worst division of football. Who would have thought that? Right. <laughs> I, I I express we're looking my for love. value. We're looking for value. Va- Come on, looking yep. for value exactly. That's how you I find it. I told you I like the over nine and a half with New Orleans Saints, and I like the plus 120 for them to win the division. Uh, obviously, Trey likes the Falcons a little more, and, and Brian likes both because he's picked Bijan and he's also picked the Saints. I'm going to go a little bit deeper again. These are bold predictions. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. But I, with the NFC being as weak as it is, 12 to 1 is tremendous value for the Saints to win the NFC. Now, do I think they're the best team in the NFC? No, I don't think they're the best team in the NFC. You have the Niners. Yeah. You have the Eagles, the Cowboys are better. Uh, you, you probably Seattle's better. Whoever comes out of the North is better. Lions, Tigers, Bears, oh my, whoever it is. But 12 to 1, they're going to win that division. They're going to have more wins than expected. Derek Carr is not – hop on the Derek Carr bandwagon. I missed it last year when I took him at 33 to 1. I know Brian took him this year as a long shot. Don't be surprised if they surprise some people. 12 to 1 is a long shot. Last one I'm going to leave you with because I do it every year and I've won it two straight years is team to have the worst record in football. 
It sounds easy, but it's not easy. Last year, I took the Bears to have the worst record in football and cashed nicely at 9-1 to because everybody assumed it was the Titan, uh, going to be the Texans. Thank uh, Lovey Smith for, for helping me out there in the end. <laughs> that was a nice cash there. Nice, um, nice payback to his uh, nice way of um, leaving the Texans on the way out. I was about to get uh, fired. It, 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 it was wonderful. Day. It was wonderful. And, and for another betting show, Lovey Smith with Michigan State helped me win a 120 to 1 parlay about five years ago. So Lovey Smith is at the top of David Behrman's radar when it comes to betting Hall of Fame. Um, all the money is on the Arizona Cardinals, three and a half wins to be the worst team in football. And rightfully so. They're terrible. They're going to be bad. I've heard bookmakers say that this is the worst rated team they've seen since the 0-16 Lions and 0-16 Browns. There's no value in betting that. They're like 2-1 to to have the worst record. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 7-1 to to have the worst record in football. I'm not buying Baker Mayfield. Kyle Trask is the backup. White is their running back. The receivers are hurt every five minutes. Todd Bowles is not a good NFL head coach. I think at 7-1, to you're getting good value at the Bucs to have the worst record in football again. It's a bold prediction. Cardinals are worse. But I think the Bucks are the worst record in football. All right. Well, well. Uh, b- before we wrap up, I'll just throw one more thing on that. Uh, Mike Evans has a streak of nine straight seasons. As long as he's been in the league every year, a thousand yard season. Uh, the only longer one is Jerry Rice, who did it for eleven years. Jerry Rice is the only one that's had a longer streak of thousand uh, thousand yard seasons. Tom Brady uh, threw them for three years. I- exactly. So my question is, <laughs> I-, I don't know what kind of action you can get on on him not getting a thousand this year, <laughs> but it might be interesting. <laughs> It's worth looking at his over-under. Um, so it's good. Thank you for the time, Trey. Uh, Brian, yeah, Brian yeah. and I will be back uh, during the regular season every Monday and Thursday for a 10, 15-minute in-and-out Monday Night Football and Thursday Night Football preview. And then Friday, we'll have a taped podcast that is breaking down all of Sunday's action. So for Brian Lewis, betting director of Pro Football Network, and Trey Wingo, NFL analyst, um, one of the original people at PFN sports center host, I can go on and on and on, but Trey's just going to, you're not going to see the look on his face. So it won't matter. Um, <laughs> and David Behrman, chief content officer of pro football network. Thank you for listening to the first ever pro football network betting podcast. We hope that our future money can help you win futures and come back during the regular season to hear us three days a week. <laughs> <laughs>